Hi and welcome to Absolute Clarity, your number one travel management podcast brought to you by Clarity, your business travel experts. I'm your host Kyle Daniels and today I'm joined in the studio by Clarity's own Suzanne Barnes. Hi. And Travelodge's own Chris Orm. Hello. Welcome to the show guys. Thank you. We've had Travelodge on before. Uh, we've had actually Sophie Lem came in in the past. I think it was last season and kind of talked to us about some of the things you guys are doing over there. I want to get you back on the show to kind of talk more about the history of Travelodge and some of the amazing things that you've been doing since we've had you on the show. Let's find out about you guys first though. So Suzanne, what do you do at Clarity? Um, my name's Suzanne Barnes. I am the head of land products, which basically means I look after all the products here um, at Clarity apart from air. So that's hotels, taxis, visas, um, you name it, I do it. You've really. got the harder job then, because <sighs> land is just like planes. Oh, it's easy. They just, yeah. They take yeah, off, it's easy. they land, Yeah. no one yeah. cares about that I stuff. think so. Uh, whereas, yeah, it basically a bit of everything, really. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Yeah. Now, you can be forgiving because you've actually just had a promotion. So well done. Thank you. Suzanne. We have got some clapping here, but I can't remember which thing it's on. <laughs> so I'll add that <laughs> in in post. And Chris, what do you do at Travelodge? Hi, yeah. Well, um, I'm the sales director at Travelodge, so I look after um, our sort of business customer relationships, um, both for travel management companies and and business customers who are booking with us. Um, so we try and make sure that our products and proposition is fit for business customers and encourage them to uh, save a bit of money by using Travelodge for their hotel spend. Are you like the go-to guy at the party when someone says, oh, what do you do? And you go, oh, I do all this. And they go, oh, great. <laughs> a bit like that. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> I think before we kind of um, get into it, I wanted to catch up with Travelodge and just find out what you guys have been doing. Because I know that last time we had you guys on, I think you just opened a few hotels. Was it London City? London City is our new sort of flagship Travelodge Plus Hotel, yes. Yeah, that's an amazing hotel, I've got to say. I've stayed there a few times, I've been lucky enough. Just over a year old now. Yeah. Just over a year old. Anything else that's going on over there at the minute? Yeah, I mean, uh, new openings is a really big part of our strategy. So we're trying to get into locations where business customers have got a need so uh, for us that city centre locations business parks transport networks um, very much in those sort of big corporate locations and we've opened 10 new hotels in the first half of um, this year um, and we're looking to open somewhere between 17 and 20 um, by the end of the year and and again same sort of number next year so new hotels new sites is a really important part of our our strategy going forward you know we're in october now don't you chris and that's a lot to get through in the next yeah what are you doing on the show <laughs> we, what, what are you doing? we do tend to open a lot of the the, the last quarter the guys uh, get them all in to hit their end of year target so they have to open quite a few before uh, before the end of december so you find there's a little spike in the last few weeks so how do you decide on what locations that you're going to be using is it just you look are you working with travel management companies to find out where people are traveling is it that kind of partnership there yeah, it's, it's demand-led, so we look at where the demand is and where we we have um, gaps in our network. Really, so we, you know, our, one of our aspirations is is never to be more than twenty minutes from a travel lodge. I'm not sure we'll ever quite achieve that in the UK, but it's getting close. Um, but but we are looking to make sure that we've got um, properties where people want them and where customers want them. So a lot of it is demand-led, trying to understand the demand and where that's coming from. Um, but typically in the old days, Travelodge, uh, most people's view of a Travelodge is that we'd be alongside an A road and, and we don't open those anymore. We are very much um, looking at locations, as I say, in city centres near railway stations where business customers in particular want us to be. 
And you talked about London City, a Travelodge Plus. Is that still a kind of a big thing for you guys that you want to open more of those? And Travelodge Plus has been very successful for us. Um, as we open new hotels, we opened a new one, a new Travelodge Plus in Marlow just recently. Um, we've got a Travelodge Plus in Edinburgh opening up towards the end of the year. So as part of our new openings pipeline, we'll continue to introduce Travelodge Plus. Um, it's gives customers a little bit more choice, especially business customers. Um, so generally, if it's in a sort of business location or a city centre, we'd consider that as part of our new new build. And what was the initial reaction from businesses? And probably you'll know this as well, Suzanne, from businesses that first saw those Travelodge Plus locations and bought Travelodge as that kind of leisure, quick and easy, get in, get out type hotel chain. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um we get a lot of clients who still think of um, Travelodge being, like you say, the kind of motorway service station yeah. type product. And they're really blown away when they see the new product. You know, the super rooms now are, are, are such a fantastic product. The new hotels look amazing. And they literally go in and go, this isn't a Travelodge. You know, it, it really has. And, you know, we still have a, a lot of work to do. You know, we do, and, and I'm sure Travelodge understand that, People just need to see the, the like product. education piece of trying to Absolutely. explain it. To them. it yeah, until you've seen it and, and you've experienced it yourself, I think it's hard to, to understand just how, how much of an impact you know the changes that um, Travelodge have put in have, have done. And for, from our side, we, we just wanted to be able to offer customers who want to pay a little bit more um, the opportunity to buy a little bit more so they get a little bit more in the room, a little bit more contemporary design and, and in the bar cafes and the restaurants. So for us, it's just giving customers choice and that's what customers have told us they want. They want to uh, have a little bit of choice and our, our team sort of liken it a little bit to the sort of premium economy um, of a, in an airline. Yeah, so it's a slight, a small upgrade without having to pay what you might need to for a four or five star hotel. I was going to say, it's not a massive cost either to upgrade in a lot of instances. I mean, it does, it, is, it sort of varies depending on day of week and, and, um, and location and demand, but often the, the, the increase is sort of around 5%, something like yeah. that more. So yeah, it's, 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 been, a, it's been a success. Um, we want to make sure that we roll it out where it's appropriate and where there's demand for it from customers so that's that's our sort of mantra really is we try and listen to what customers want and uh, and try and provide that for them in locations where they want it and just a thanks for me because the fact that you put super room on a different <laughs> level where you don't get kids screaming and people running yeah. down the corridor and stuff like that or the people on the night out <laughs> coming yeah. back half drunk perfect for me you have business flaws as well don't yeah. you so you know yeah. you you know if you're a business traveler you have got that quietness and you're not going to be surrounded by screaming people and i yeah. think that's been a big change for travelodge over the years we've come from being very much a leisure brand where we associated with stag and hen parties or, or weddings or nights out um, and i think in the in the last sort of five years we've really changed that now and um more than half of our customers now stay with us on business so it's been a real change for us over the last few years so when did you start with Travelodge, Chris? So I joined Travelodge nearly six years ago. So right. we were, I was brought in uh, just as we were about halfway through our modernisation programme. So that's when we refitted the whole of the estate. So uh, it was around 530 hotels at the time, which we renovated in about 18 months. Um, and, and my role was to try and encourage um, business customers to consider us. Um, as we went through that renovation, the product was better and more people were, were sort of open to that idea. Yeah. And Susanna, somebody that's trying to essentially, and we'll get onto the travel program in a minute, but talk about the travel program. 
is that kind of made your job easier when you've got something like Travelodge where they're yeah. tailoring to the business customer? Absolutely. So, I mean, we we have a range of clients with, um, you know, wanting various different types of accommodation and with different budgets. But, you know, we're always finding clients uh, are looking at how they can save save money. And, you know, in, in Travelodge, the great thing is you've, you've got a cheaper product than your four-star full-service hotels, but they're fantastic hotels. So you're not trying to sell something to somebody that... You think, oh, you know, it's going to be a bit dodgy when you get, you get there. You know that you're giving them a good product and at a really good price. Yeah. Um, so it massively help, helps us. And I think from us, the, the world at large has become a lot more accepting of sort of low-cost value products, haven't they? Whether it's sort of supermarkets Definitely. or whether it's low-cost yeah. carriers and airlines. So I think people, the, the stigma attached to saving money is, is, is not what it used to be. Absolutely. People are actually quite proud of saving money yeah. you know, these days. And I think um, it, a lot of it's around um, having value for money, isn't it? It's not necessarily about getting the cheapest, but knowing you're getting a yeah. good value for money. And you're not compromising. It used to be the case of if you bought cheap, exactly. you were compromising you on quality. And yeah. I think it's the case that now you don't necessarily have to spend the earth and you still get a really good... Yeah, there's definitely, I think there's a, a, a the gaps closing between your budget hotels and your full service hotels. You, you can't see as much of a difference now. So let's go on to the hotel program because I know that we do one here. Yes. Clarity Rooms. Yes. All right. We do. I should know I branded it. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about the hotel program for those listening that essentially don't have a clue what one is. Okay. So um, we have a Clarity Hotel program. So that's basically where we go out to the kind of major hotel chains and ask them for a Clarity discount. That means that no matter, um, it's open to all of our clients, so it doesn't matter how much business that they're putting into a particular location or a particular chain, they are benefiting from those rates. Varies, the discount varies, it's usually a discount off our standard rate, can be anything between 5 and 20%, it can vary, so it varies by chain, it can vary by time of year, even by hotel in, in some instances, but at least you know you're getting a value for money and getting something better than you would get if you went directly to um to the chain is there an expectation though from customers that coming in using the tmc that they just get those rates anyway is that yeah that? i think so yeah i'm sure obviously you know tmcs will all get very good rates yeah. um but this is just giving them something a little bit extra and like i say something which obviously they can they can also have corporate rates yeah. which uh, um, is where if they're doing a, a large volume into a certain location they can apply for a corporate rate yeah. but the clarity rooms means that they can get a discount across the board on everything so yeah. they don't have to be doing loads of room nights or have massive spend to be able to um to use those rates i think it's covering this one size fits all thing isn't it so it's not that uh, exactly. at all every customer is going to be different yeah. and i think to have their own rates that works off them and how they use hotels and where they travel to and, and all the rest of it kind of gives them that personalized bespoke absolutely feeling. yeah and um the other thing is we you know we can prefer the hotels in the system so that if somebody goes on and books something themselves they can see which hotels their business is telling them to book um so you know we can make sure they're highlighted if they've got swimming pools and things all that kind of thing just helps a traveller. If you've never been somewhere before, you don't know where to book, yeah. you know that your business is saying this is a really good option, this is how far away it is from your uh, your office, mm -hmm. that those are your key ones to, to book. And how difficult is it, from your point of view, for every year to renegotiate those rates Massive. and for all those? It, it's huge. It's, we, we've got a team of four people who work on it this time of year for all of our clients. So clients with large volumes, um, we would negotiate rates for now for January. 
Um, so they'll literally, uh, that's all the f- four in the team are working on now um, until the end of the year. Oh, that's a, a good lead time, that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it takes takes a bit of time. Um, certainly, it depends on the, again, depends on the hotel chains and where they are. So if we're negotiating rates overseas, that can take longer as well. Yeah. So uh, it's a big job. Yeah, well, it's Chris. She's just literally saying it to you, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of work. <laughs> now, we've worked with um, Suzanne for quite a, a number of years now, and we try and offer... Um, the best value we can to, to corporates. I think the, the great thing that Clarity provide for us is a load of insight into where the demand is, where customers want to stay, what their expectation is of, of, of rates and that kind of thing. So it's a really good two-way process that hopefully gets the, um, the best outcome for the, the customer at the end of the day. It's all about sharing information, isn't it? And the, the more information that, that we can provide you, then the better rate you can, you can offer us and the better rate for the client yeah. at the and end I think, of the day. I think there's an expectation now as well from some of the smaller and medium-sized companies that, that they don't necessarily have the massive volumes in certain locations. So the Clarity Rooms discount that you offer, it gives those smaller companies a bit of leverage to be able to get those discounts yeah. and get the better rates. And you guys seen your time working on kind of hotels and, and working in partnership with TMCs and hoteliers that the relationships have grown stronger with these hotel programs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd say it's become, um, certainly in the last kind of four or five years, uh, it's become become a bigger thing. Like we were saying before, I think um, a lot of it comes down to people wanting value for money. So not necessarily, you know, expecting a cheap rate, but knowing they've got free Wi-Fi or they're going to get a discount on the food and beverage, you know, all that kind of thing's starting to play a part now as well. What's your feedback like on your Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi? Well, <laughs> yeah. we, we, just, uh, we just rolled out brand new Wi-Fi, actually, across all our, all our hotels. So um, they've all got now uh, super fast Wi-Fi. Um, it's almost like I knew the answer to that question just before I asked it, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I prepare for these. <laughs> and again, it's one of the things that our customers told us that they, they want. Although, interestingly, we've seen a lot more people, um, or, or Wi-Fi usage actually declining because people okay. are using more of their 4G, 5G packages yeah, yeah, now that they have spot. as part of their bundles. So as a general trend, we think that people utilising Wi-Fi in, in hotels is likely to decline a little bit over the, over the next few years. That's the trend we're seeing. Just as you've kind of done all that work yeah. on making it yeah. faster, it's still Thanks important. Though. It's where, where people need it. It needs to be of, of good quality, and yeah. that and that's the key thing for us. I think if you're using laptops, you, you need that Wi-Fi, don't you? Yeah, if you're yeah. using your phone, then it's different. But certainly from laptop usage, I always like to get on my get on the Wi-Fi. And I think at our IT department would go wild if I started like mm. sending video files yeah. over <laughs> our hotspot. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit, obviously, with this program because safety is clearly a key point for. I imagine all your customers and obviously for a lot of our clients as well, duty care is a kind of big thing in there. And through our go to insight product, our MIM reporting tool, we do a lot around the crime and data hotspots so we can kind of see where the biggest crime hotspots are. I know that you guys try and get your presences around city centers, but I think the way things are going at the minute, so much crime happening in these city centers. And I know just from, I mean, we're based in Manchester, we see a lot of homeless watching a lot of drug addicts as well. How does uh, travellers get around that then? So clearly, if you're setting them up near train stations, there's going to be a, a kind of a high undesirables presence, for use of a better word. We know, we recognise that uh, there are certain things that customers want and certain things they don't want. Security, safety is one of the things that's paramount to, to any business customer, really. So they might not want necessarily value room service or a business centre, but being knowing that they're safe and secure in their rooms is is 
um, definitely a non-negotiable. So, you know, for us, that is our starting point, really, when we build hotels and when we design hotels. Um, for the, some of those city centre hotspots, we, we have security um, covertly inside the hotels or overtly outside the hotels, depending on the, on the location. Um, we have um, quite high security levels in the hotel as well. So in most of our city centre locations, we have keycard restricted access to all floors and all communal areas. So you might be able to get into reception, but you can't get into any rooms or corridors or lifts yeah. without your key card. So, um, and then also we do uh, what we call floor walks where um, the hotel teams or security teams are, are patrolling around the, the um, hotel um, all throughout the day and the night to make sure that um, the only people in the hotel um, have a valid reason to be there. So for us, it's, it's the number one issue, safety and security. Um, everything else comes after that, really. So, yeah, we take it pretty seriously. But, yes, you're right. I think any hotel, restaurant, bar, shop, shopping centre yeah, yeah. in a city centre location is going to come up with the same challenges. But, um, you know, we again, we, we work closely with our uh, travel management company partners and our customers to try and understand what's going to make them feel safe and secure in a hotel yeah. um and and yeah we've we've done a lot of work around that do you find that sometimes when you have the security presence outside the hotel which sometimes you're going to need to do that, that sometimes invites more kind of especially i imagine on kind of friday or thursday friday saturday now yeah i think i think it can i think it's like uh you know in, in a nightclub everybody likes to have a, a, a bit of a, a chat with a bouncer don't they one yeah, way or yeah. another so i think for us making sure that you've got that um, appropriately is really important and we've learned from that in places uh, in, in city center locations we've learned what works best for those particular locations yeah. and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach so we try and tailor it based on on that particular uh, location yeah. one of the things that comes up a lot on hotel programs is having an on-site restaurant um, so that people don't have to go out necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can. They've got everything on the doorstep in the hotel. So the moment they step through the doors, they don't need to leave. Yeah. Um, which is massive, certainly for, for lone travellers. Um, that is, is a big feature. I think that's another thing. It's a sort of myth bust from, uh, from Travelogy's perspective. A lot of people don't realise that we do. And it, we've got now um, around 200 locations that have got restaurants um, in-house, bre- serving breakfast and dinner. And yeah, I think that's pretty important. And most city centres now, where we've got multiple locations, will have at least one option that's got a restaurant in in house. And yeah. I can vouch for the pizzas; they are amazing. <laughs> oh, the pizza ovens! Uh, you've done a good job of those, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, I, know I can't take you too much credit that on that. <laughs> myself. But uh, we've got some very good colleagues. Yeah. Again, we did a lot of taste tests with customers. I keep going back to try and understand what customers yeah. want. And obviously, you know, in a, in a um, low cost hotel, they're not, you know, we we can't deliver a a Michelin star restaurant menu so what we try and do is yeah. do what we do we actually reduce the menu um significantly because what we found is we were trying to cook too many things yeah. to give too many too much choice and customers didn't want that they just wanted a small amount of choice but delivered well yeah. so we've, we've sort of reduced the amount and the breakfast as well was actually really nice the breakfast honestly it's the best breakfast best hotel breakfast is at travel lodge yeah because it's it's all branded food yeah. you know you, you've got your baked beans and nutella the Heinz beans were like a, yeah Heinz that was a big yeah it's a big thing but again is that from feedback from customers that they want that recognizability yeah i, th- I think quality breakfast quality is a real indicator for a customer of the overall quality of the hotel so if you've got a really nice hotel and then the breakfast really poor um, they they will come away with a, a poor quality score for that hotel. So for us, having a good breakfast is really, really important. So through the research that we did um, five, six years ago, a lot was a lot came out about the bed. So quality of a good night's sleep yeah. is really important for us. Um, the quality of 
having a hot shower in the morning and breakfast. And they were actually the three biggest things that came out. So yeah, yeah. we spent a lot of money on those three things, really primarily getting a good bed in, um, making sure people could get a good night's sleep, um, making sure they get a hot shower, making sure they've got a good breakfast to, to go to work on the next morning. And as sales director, do you find yourself having to sneakily test out other hotels just to see what the competition's <laughs> doing? Well, I don't need to because this travel lodge is pretty much everywhere <laughs> yeah. now. But, um, no, I mean, it, it, is, it is always important. And I think, you know... Uh, any business has got to keep innovating and keep changing. And that's why we introduced um, Super Rooms and Travelodge Plus um, in the last couple of years, because we knew if we stood still that, that you know, that the market would overtake us. And, and you may well see um, new innovations in the next 12 to 18 months as well from us. The big topic that I wanted to talk about today was actually the fall and rise of Travelodge, because... I think it's no secret that there were some difficulties for Travelodge. I think it was back in 2012, uh, there were some issues there. But obviously, since then, you guys have gone really from strength to strength and are now, what, the largest hotel provider in the UK? Yeah, so we're, we're privately owned and we're the largest um, branded privately owned hotel chain in the UK. And so we've got um, 585 hotels, but um, that, that will increase by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and it's been, a, it's been a real journey for us. So from uh, going through a, a CVA um, back in 2012. Which is a conditional voluntary agreement, is it? Company voluntary yeah, agreement, company yeah. Vol- yeah. So basically it means we're on the verge of bankruptcy yeah. and um, we were um, taken over by new investors. So um, Goldman Sachs got the majority shareholding in Travelodge uh, that, from that point on. Um, and what we had back then is Travelodge had a very strong brand. So everybody knew the name Travelodge. Everybody yeah. knew that there was a Travelodge in their town or, or lots of people had stayed in a Travelodge. Um, but over the years, our product has sort of deteriorated um, through the, the financial crisis 2008 onwards. So um, our new owners invested a lot of money. Initially, we understood what customers wanted. and It was the three things I mentioned, really. Um, they want a clean room. They want a good night's sleep, good shower and a, and a good breakfast if there's a restaurant present. So we spent um, a lot of money modernising our whole estate in very quick time um, we had to turn that around very very quickly um, and that was our first step really and then yeah, people recognized that we were good value for money people always thought that Travelodge offered great value um, they always knew there was a lot of Travelodges but what people didn't know is that our quality had improved um, and that was the big thing for us is to go out via our partners such as Clarity um, and also in the media as well to tell customers and potential customers that we changed and to come and try us again and they probably get a, a, a very different experience to what they were expecting yeah so you would have come in what six years or so just after kind of that so i suppose you were walking right into the frying pan yeah so <laughs> so i walked in and we at the point i walked through the door there was about half the hotels that had been modernized and half hadn't so yeah. back back then it was very much around um i'll on a hotel program i'll, I'll contract a good one um, but not one of the ones that's not been modernized yeah, and yeah. we went through that i think um for a little while but thankfully that that happened very quickly and we got the hotels modernized very quickly but that was certainly a, a time where we needed we we invested quite a lot of money in the program and we needed to get return on that and the the biggest reason for doing so is that typically we were very full on a saturday night and um, with yeah. all you know the, the leisure customers and um, but often we were not doing as well as our competitors midweek for for corporate customers so that increase in product quality meant that we could start to have conversations with travel management companies and corporate customers um, and get them into the hotels and show them that we changed. And what was your kind of feeling around that time, Suzanne, of 
kind so, of the Travelodge that was to what is now. Yeah, so we really started working with Travelodge around that time. Um, we, we'd worked for them for a number of years before that. But I think around um, six years ago was when we found clients coming to us saying they were looking at reducing their, spe- their spend and how could they reduce their travel costs. Um, and before that, we probably would have been a little bit wary about pushing Travelodge. Yeah. But knowing that they were going through the refurbishment, we were like, actually, this is now not just a uh, you know cheaper option, but it's actually a really, really good product. And it kind of gave us that confidence to be able to go out and really sell it to our clients. I think for me was I was kind of looking around for um, inspiration for this episode and things that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about. And obviously being in marketing, I love, love a good marketing campaign. And I think since the 2012 thing, you guys really stepped it up a, a notch in terms of what you were doing. And I think you had the Get Up and Go campaign, which was 2014, uh, which was more around the fact of you go into a hotel, there's things to do around the hotel. So kind of get out there. And I think you encourage people to take pictures and post them on social and hashtag in. But then the thing that people will most probably recognize you for is the travelogical stuff, which was the puppets. And I mean, how many times did you get people saying that's travelogical, Chris? A lot, a lot. And then, um, no, it was it was a bit of a journey to go through. I think the Get Up and Go campaign really um, showed us as something of an enabler, whether that's business or leisure. What we were trying to demonstrate there is that you, if you're staying away for business, you're not in your hotel for a long time. You've got to go to a meeting. We need to have a, uh, we, we were an enabler, if you like, of people to be able to spend as little as they needed to on the hotel, but then they could go out and have the business meeting or they could go out to the theatre or the, or the seaside or whatever it was. So for us, it was trying to position that a little bit um, in the market. And we rolled that campaign out about when we were halfway through the refit as well. So there's a few teasers of the room design in that campaign, yeah. um, but it wasn't at the heart of the campaign because we hadn't finished the refit so we didn't want people to see it on telly and then go and stay in it and it hadn't been modernized so um that but it was very much a, a reintroduction of the travelodge brand to people who probably not heard from us for a while and then the travelodge puppets was i think a couple of years later and that was when 2016 i think that was yeah, yeah so that's when we really went out with the the brand messaging of we've changed and that we're our quality's really stepped up. Yeah. A lot more um, presence of the of the new rooms um, in those campaigns, and it was really important for us to tell people that we changed um, and that we were the logical choice, which is where the travelogi- travelogical um, tagline came from, um, and highly popular. Um, although some would regard it as either love it or hate it with the with the jingle, but um, it was certainly very catchy, um, yeah. and it really made people recognise us as a brand on our own, and we weren't part of a a hospitality industry or a set budget sector we were very much standalone travelodge and travelogical choice so it was a really important moment for us um, and i think people still uh, still find it quite memorable and quite catchy yeah were you, you a bit gutted that they didn't model the puppet off you were you a bit yeah well i mean there's a couple of uh, <laughs> there's there's a couple of um stories about who they did model them off and it was at the time i think when uh, there was an election happening and i think one of them has a passing resemblance to David Cameron, which you, you yeah, might yeah. you might have noticed. Yeah, it was it was it was good and funny, and they definitely appeal to a wide audience. Um, and yeah, we we continually get still get feedback on them. Um, <laughs> Do people ask where they are? Well, I've, I've interviewed quite a few people, and, and and a number of people ask if they can meet the meet the travelogicals, yeah. but uh, they they're unfortunately um, locked away somewhere. They don't make it to the next stage of interview. Can <laughs> we just say? So don't ask, stop asking, guys. <laughs> Was this some? Because originally it was just the male puppet. Was there backlash that there wasn't a female puppet in that? Because then there was 
a campaign like a while ago, wasn't it? That no, we we always had we always had a a, a diverse um, group of travelogicals <laughs> from the start. Um, but I think what you might be referring to there was th- so there was a puppet that represented business customers, and there yeah, was yeah. A, there was a a, a a male business customer, and then in the second round of ads. Um, it was a little bit more business focused. The first round was a, yeah, yeah. a bit bit mixed, business and leisure. The second round was more about going to meetings, and that's where we introduced the uh, the female business customer. Did they have names? They did. They did. You're going to test me on the names. I can't <laughs> remember more. Alex was the. the we uh, don't know Alex, the names, yeah. so you can lie and say whatever oh, you want. Okay. Um, no, they they did have names. They did have names, and they were model and real people. So if you notice in the adverts, there's a. a um, a character, a human yeah. in the ad, and the puppet is uh, was was um, designed to resemble that yeah. that human. So. That's our next campaign, Suzanne. We're going to do puppets <laughs> or muppets. Not on Muppets. People call us Muppets all the time, so we figured we'd just kind of like roll with it. <laughs> I think for us, we needed something that really made us stand out a little bit and and made people remember us um, or, or recognise us and consider us. So it, it did that. And going back to your dinner party analogy, people would often. Tell me they either hated it or loved it, and it, yeah. but that didn't really matter. Without your skin, yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop it at all. Exactly, but they remembered it either way. Yeah, so yeah. that was the good thing. Whether they hated it or loved it, um, they they remembered it. And as a sales director, did you see an increase in sales after after something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Do and we job. when we saw, you know, we we measure a lot of sort of brand recognition, and we get we were at YouGov to look at our, our sort of um, metrics on there, and and everything improved. Um, and yeah, for us, it was people were trying us, I think, for the first time in a long time. So they would come back and try us yeah. on the back of that campaign. And, um, you know, they would have had a good experience and then come back to us again. So for us, it was, it was, it was successful. Um, but as with anything, um, it's very expensive. So yeah, yeah. it's not something you can do all the time. Um, and, it, you know, even some of the huge global brands that you see, not just hotels, um, are having to sort of cut back on those sort of campaigns because they yeah. are very expensive. I think you did a customer you have a customer group, don't you, for about 32,000 customers or so. And I think you actually went to them when you were first starting doing these campaigns and asked them kind of for their feedback. And I think they came back and actually said they didn't want celebrity endorsements. They didn't want kind of the Lenny Henry. Can we say that? (laughs) (laughs) We don't want that kind of a celebrity person to come in and endorse in the hotel. Was yeah. that kind of the strong feedback you were getting? I, th- I think you were. I think they. D- it's not that necessarily they didn't want it. I just don't think they really valued that very much. I think yeah. you know these days any celebrity endorser, you know that typically they're probably getting paid for that endorsement, yeah, yeah. and it's not a true endorsement. So I think for us, we we find that customers are more influenced by peer to peer endorsements. So whether that's TripAdvisor or, or Amazon reviews more or anything trusted like that, kind of review, absolutely. Yeah. And you know our one of our uh, real big targets now is to make sure that we've got um, really strong reviews from customers. So I think that goes back to that, you know, they don't really care what a paid celebrity, high paid celebrity tells yeah, yeah. them. They're really interested in their experience and others like them and what their experience is. So, um, you know, at the moment we, we've got nearly 500 hotels that have got four out of five on TripAdvisor, which is a That's really, incredible, really yeah. positive message for us. And again, something that people don't necessarily realize um, from Travelodge. Um, so for us, that's a really big benchmark for us. So yeah. TripAdvisor is what everybody uses, like it or loathe it. Yeah. It's what everybody uses to... And that's amazing because people out. usually only review when they've had a bad experience. Yeah. People have had a good experience, just accept it and go about the day and they tend to not get the energy to go and write something. So that's amazing to get four out of five. Absolutely. There's a story that I'll tell you, but I might have to cut this. <laughs> But I'll tell you anyway, so I worked for a non-name company, it wasn't anything to do with travel, and we were looking at doing a TV advertising campaign. 
and we were talking about celebrity endorsements and they, the company we were speaking to told us not to do it on the basis that they'd had Martin Clunes with the Churchill advert oh, yeah. and the nodding kind of thing and all the rest of it. And then he got done for drink driving. <laughs> so they had to scrap and I think they'd already filmed all these campaigns and it cost them millions and they had to scrap it and like go back to the and redo everything again just because of celebrity because people fall out of favour all the time. Yeah. It's an expensive mistake to make that, yeah, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, I can well imagine that. So hopefully Martin Clunes lawyers won't. He actually got done for it, so it's no allegedly. He got done for it. Don't <laughs> think and drive, mate. The other thing that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about, the is it Edge Lane in Liverpool, the guy that drove the digger through the... He just nodded at me now as if to say I'm sick and tired of, of this. It wasn't your thing at the time, I don't think. I think you guys, they were doing work on it and then you were going to buy the property or something. It was... Yeah, so the, we, we use um, contractors to build our um, hotels and we have payment agreements with those contractors. We have We have contracts in place financial contracts in place and and we kept our side of the bargain but obviously the contractor didn't play, pay the employee i think it was just a couple of days late wasn't it it was meant to go on the friday it went on the monday the guy didn't check and decided to take it out and travel lodge but yeah it, it's you know we we use we're building a lot of hotels around the country and we we outsource that building work to contractors and um in good faith so um yeah it was unfortunate and, and certainly it's not something we would we would endorse but it's it's uh yeah, it created headlines for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Was it one of those things that as it was happening, you were just thinking, for the love of God. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, really. I, mean, I, think, I think it's one of those things that sort of blows hot and then disappears relatively quickly. News is very fast-paced these days, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to get in the news for the, for the right reasons. You know, we create a lot of jobs and we, um, you know, we, we do a huge amount for our, our um, employees in regards to social mobility. Yeah, um, I heard... Uh, one of the pledges of Boris Johnson yesterday was to uh, pay the national living wage to um, 21 and over instead of 25 yeah, and yeah. over. Travelodge have been doing that for a number of years now. So um, Boris is catching up eventually um, with, with our lead. Um, so, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we treat our employees with, with huge care and respect. And yeah. uh, sometimes our, our subcontractors don't necessarily do that. And speaking of kind of your employees, I know that you've been doing something with your flexible working hours to encourage working parents that need to drop the kids off, that you kind of rotate the hours a little bit so they can drop the kids off, come into work, leave early if they need to, to go and pick the kids up and sort that out. That's right, yeah. So for, for our hotel teams, it's really important to have the hours that they want and they need, um, both financially and for their their day-to-day -day lives. And we, we are trying to be as flexible as we can with that. So we're trying to encourage um, you know, all, all uh, people to come and work at Travelodge and we try and accommodate them where we can so yeah we try and open that out to sort of students in the summer holidays um, working parents um, people who may be um, partially retired all that kind of thing now so for yeah. us it's really important especially as uh, we're finding that we get less and less applicants from the EU um, now for our roles so therefore we've got to be a bit more flexible with with um, the people who would like to work for us. The kind of buzzword at the minute is Brexit it's on the horizon. How is Travelodge preparing for, for that? I think for us, we obviously, there's a lot of political economic uncertainty that goes together with Brexit. And I think um, what, what we're seeing is that customers are um, very cautious in the short-term outlook. There's a lot of project work that's getting delayed. There's lots of, sort of stockpiling of activity and, and um, goods. So um, for us, we want, you know, we want to make sure that we can still offer... Um, sort of low cost option for people when they're not sure about how much they want to spend um so you know that's always been our our ethos and our values have always been about offering low cost choice 
um, and having a reputation for low prices. So I think through Brexit, economic uncertainty that that will happen um, and and is part of doing business these days. Um, so yeah, for us, being prepared is making sure we offer customers what they want. Um, but equally, you know, we have a lot of employees who come from the EU countries as well. Um, so we're we're helping them um, to remain in the UK post Brexit and go through the relevant form filling in and things like that because we want to continue to employ them. Um, and we, we, you know, continue to welcome those um, employees into our into our business as long as we, as long as we can. Um, so for us, there's a lot of Brexit preparation that we've been doing, um, getting Brexit ready. Um, but a lot of it is around our operations as we operate um, 585 hotels, employees from all over the EU. Uh, we import goods from the EU, um, so we've got to be ready for whatever the scenario is, um, whilst at the same time offering other businesses who are in the same boat as us um, the ability to save money on their on their travel spend. And do you find that when you're working out the stuff for your employees that are in the EU, that the actual government's been helpful in kind of the information that you need? I think it's hard to find, but I think the information's there if you if you look for it. But I think it is it is quite hard to find. So we've tried to interpret that. Um, I think we've got something like between sixty and seventy languages spoken in our in our um, employee base across the UK. So we've, one. We've, we've helped translate a lot of that information out to our to our employees to make it as easy as possible for them. So I think the information's there. I think it's just just not perhaps been quite as accessible up until recent weeks um, when it's, we're getting closer to the deadline. I mean, we put out something for clarity and kind of preparation. We put out a document. But I think we're still finding it hard in finding the information that's out there because there's so many kind of wavering kind of opinions and what's going to happen and it's just so much uncertainty and we're finding that obviously our, a lot of our clients are maybe holding off travel mm-hmm. maybe finding other ways to do it so if it's like a meeting or if they can skype or i suppose more domestic travel if they can get away with it we're finding more things like that one of the big things for me is understanding what impact it's going to have on rates for next year yeah uh, because say we do leave the uh, the eu uh, with no deal is he, is he, um, the pound going to plummet um, and therefore actually we're going to get an influx of tourists coming to the UK because it's massively cheaper to come over here and then our rates then going to increase because you've got loads of tourists here or you know it, it's that uncertainty is, is really difficult to, to kind of you know we're getting so many clients asking what what, what um, are rates looking like for next year and it's so hard to, to kind of give them an idea because we just don't know. Yeah. Do you find you're getting a lot of those questions then, Chris, that people are asking about the rates now? Yeah, this time of year, um, we certainly do as people start to plan budgets for next year and, and, and plan their, their strategies for next year. Um, but it is very difficult at the moment. I mean, we are very market-driven, demand-driven, so we will react to the demand that's out there typically. Um, but I think the best the best guess, best forecast at the moment is, is um, you know, small increases or flat, really. I think that PwC um, produce a report every year. They just produce theirs. It's a very cautious uh, view for next year on the hotel market and the economy in general, really. So the hotel market tends to follow quite closely um, the the GDP growth or, or otherwise. So um, for, for the industry, for the hospitality sector in particular, um, we keep a close eye on what the wider economy is doing. So even in a, a low-cost brand like Travelodge, um, you know, everyone does better in a in a growing economy so we hope it all gets sorted very soon is it kind of like plan for the worst hope for the best kind of situation at the minute i think it is i think i think businesses have got to plan for all scenarios the worst case scenario 
and and others and because we, we don't even know quite what the worst case scenario is at the moment so i think for us it's just just trying to make sure that we we plan as best we can with the information that we've got at the moment and um yeah put our, our fingers crossed to make sh- make it um be the best it can be and obviously the main question how did you both vote we're not <laughs> going to do that <laughs> <laughs> before we kind of leave into that one when we're talking about kind of uh, marketing campaigns there was a campaign that we did talk about off air and i'll bring it up now because i think it was just an amazing campaign and i think it was back in 2006 when you were opening some hotels in plymouth and you did a campaign that was plymouth hotels will fleece you we prefer a duvet there's nothing that i need from you on that one i just thought that was an amazing campaign and as a marketer i just want to congratulate you on that one because it was amazing before my time but um, i'm i'm sure those involved shifting will, the blame uh, i'm sure those involved will appreciate your your feedback no problem i love that if that's the feedback you went back to the higher ups with like guys we need to bring that campaign back <laughs> okay so the final um topic of the show we're going to do the first worst and best travel scenarios so suzanne let's hear your first travel experience so when I was 18, I just started working in a travel agency and I won a trip to Benidorm. My first wow. ever, I know, how good was that? <laughs> that was my fir- the first time I'd ever, I'd ever, yeah, I must have been working there for a couple of months and we went on a, an event and it was all about um, uh, Costa Blanca. It was a um, Costa Blanca tourist board and yeah, first prize was a trip to Benidorm and I won. All expenses paid. Yeah, wow. yeah, all, I- all inclusive stay um, for five nights it was amazing. Five nights as yeah, well. Yeah, so um, Benidorm was my first first trip away. Living the dream though. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go with your worst. Okay, worst. So I went to Cape Town for a holiday. Um, on the journey back, an amazing holiday. Journey back was horrendous. So we got upgraded to business class. Amazing. Yeah. Sat in business class, took off. Somebody took the shoes off. It honestly i cannot tell you honestly it was did you complain ridiculous so so the air hostess goes around and is telling everybody to put their shoes back on somehow managed to miss the man that had taken his shoes off um so it was a 12-hour journey with a horrendous smell um and to top it off we had to stop in uh, dublin where for some reason our bags got took off. We got back to Manchester and our bags were still in Dublin. So it was the worst <laughs> this all because of the guy's feet. Uh, was, the pilot was like, I'm yeah, landing yeah, yeah, confused him. <laughs> I'm not doing any more. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so that was my worst experience. That guy probably still talks about us to this <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> or doesn't. Yeah. Probably doesn't admit Never. to it. He must have known. He must, he must have known it's you. Yeah. And your best. Uh, best uh, was my honeymoon to Canada. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, mm. was um, we did um, big tour. Um, started in Toronto, Van- went over to Vancouver. Got a train to the Rockies. That was a really special holiday. You got somewhere work to do there, Chris. So <laughs> go and watch your travel first. Get in, the, uh, in the best <laughs> travel nothing. experience. Not even I'm, worse. I'm relieved yeah. they didn't get in the worst. <laughs> oh, so okay. that's, that's good. First travel experience. I, I guess I go back quite a few years now, but um, I can remember my my family holidays always used to be driving over to France on the on going over on the ferry and uh, driving out to a campsite in France somewhere so I can just I remember a number of experiences I seem to suffer very badly from travel sickness car sickness and uh, I always used to end up being quite violently sick within 20 minutes of leaving home um but then thankfully they've grown out of that and thankfully it didn't last and the your whole parents journey, still so. took you yeah yeah <laughs> exactly like, no, exactly, exactly. but i'd be well prepared with a bucket on my lap for the first 20 minutes to to um, get over that and then obviously driving back over from france where you know you were sitting on crates of cheap french wine and beer that that you could get before bringing them over on the on the ferry home so um the car seats weren't uh 
particularly common in those days. So you generally sat you on a bottle of wine back, instead. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly. And your worst? Worst is quite quite tricky, really. I've got a few um, long long haul uh, travel experiences, and I don't know if it's, it's worst. It's certainly the scariest. So I'm going to go with that for now. Um, so I did um, a bit of a stint as a sort of tour guide in. Africa so we did quite a bit of a bit of work out there and we used to camp and I can remember camping out in the in the wilds of the Serengeti and um, finding all sorts of um, weird animals and bugs in your sleeping bags and shoes and things like that and woke up one morning and there were lion footprints outside the tents that had gone through the the campsite so it's very scary Um, one of the scariest moments we were driving back from a night safari so it's pitch black we're about two miles from the campsite and uh, in the headlights we saw two um, American tourists um, looking for the toilet Um, so there's two things wrong with that one there were no toilets and the other was um, that they were about two miles away from the campsite in the Serengeti so we picked them up whisked them up and whisked them back to the the, the campsite so i don't know if it's worse but it was certainly quite, quite scary camping out in the in the wilds of africa but i thought you were going to say the time you got fleeced in plymouth <laughs> and then came up with that ad campaign <laughs> and your best best uh I've, I've been lucky enough this year actually at the beginning of this year to uh, go away with my young family on some extended leave um out to asia um out to southeast asia and taking my two kids out there to see amazing cultures amazing food um, amazing experiences for them um, and, and the smiles on their faces and the, and the experiences they've had is definitely that's definitely the best travel experience oh that was a good one to end on that right thank you so much for joining us on the show if people want to find out more about Travelodge where can they go if you want to find more about our product and, and what we've done and the journey we've been on I'd suggest uh, going to travelodge.co.uk you can find a lot of information there and if you'd like Travelodge to be part of your travel programme then uh, get in touch with Clarity and Suzanne and the team here Need to slip him that £20 note now, Suzanne, just for that <laughs> little chat. Right, thanks very much to my guests, Suzanne and Chris. I've been your host, Kyle Daniels, and we will see you in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you.